Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. You have nearly made it through one of the craziest fantasy football years of all time. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. One round left of fantasy footy to go. If you play for leagues, it is your grand final week. Those in a rankings charge, you've got just a nine game left to be able to make your way into the best possible ranking that you can. To uh, have another quick chat with me as we do our last really focused 2020 podcast of the year. I've got Kane. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. There is a lot to get through. Like, I know there's only, what, nine games of fantasy footy left for the year, but there is still so much that we need to talk about. We will get to the Sam Doherty dilemma in just a moment. We're going to look at the fixture matchups to help you out um, and a bunch of other stuff. But I think right out of the gate, Kane, let's talk drafts, um, which is uh, one of the uh, very much improving fantasy outputs uh, across the landscape. You know, if I was to actually speak English for a second, really, it's the format and the style that people are are more and more every year loving to play and to pick up. And when it comes to your grand final, depending on the league settings you have, you probably have a rolling lockout in Ultimate Footy. That's certainly what we've encouraged as a coach's panel for commissioners to set up is a rolling lockout. And if you play it right and smart with a strategy, you can catch up if you're behind or you can set up a real dominant lead. Yeah, well, I think especially MJ this year with teams only coming out 24 hours before the game, there's a lot of people that are assuming players have been named. I think the guy last week that was really popular was Ben Ainsworth. Yeah. A guy that you're banking on being in your side. By the time we knew that Ben Ainsworth was ill and wasn't playing, there was, pretty much every team was locked out by the actual Suns and the Pipe. Like, yeah. There was no whispers at all. So the thing I'm finding a lot of really smart coaches doing, and we know in draft, especially when you have a rolling lockout, loopholing is incredibly important. You can bank anywhere between 50 and 100 points by getting your loopholes right. And what I saw a lot of smart coaches doing last week was picking up Gold Coast and Collingwood players because they played at the end of the round and using them as their loophole. And the advantage of doing that last week was if you had it just say Shannon Hearn and you liked his, you know, 64-point score, mm. you can take that. You know, he's the type of player that, you know, depending on the week this year, can hover anywhere between 40 and 80. That's sort of his range. Uh, and a 64, you know, it's a very solid backline score to get you started. The advantage of having those players that play at the end of the round is if you're losing your head-to-head matchup yeah. and a 64 won't cut it, you can all of a sudden at the very death trade out that, again, last week it was Collingwood and Gold Coast, and just pick up someone off the waiver wire who's another defender and just hope that maybe they pop and they get you that extra 10 points. So if you set yourself up right and have a player in each line, you can have the best of both worlds. You can have a look at your emergency score and you can also have a crack at catching up if that point isn't enough by the very end of the week. And a lot of times, you know, the opposition you might be playing might not have any players left. So you know the exact amount of points you need or don't need to get the job done. And I think there's a lot of people playing it that way just to maximise every single point. Because we know in draft in particular, MJ, it can come down to single-digit scores more often than not. It can be really, really close. And the opportunity in terms of how you want to play that is probably those first two or three games of the round, maximising those players that you think you're like, if they pop, I'll take it. If they don't, I might be able to bench or field something over the top of it. Uh, and then you've got those late options. So in terms of some options that might be people in drafts that we could look at for the late end of the round, the most obvious is the Monday night clash. It, it's Collingwood and Port Adelaide. Who are the guys that might be on our waiver wire that the non-playing guys are pretty easy to get? And, and I want to talk about keeper strategy in a second about, you know, people might be dropping some valuable valuable commodities into the waiver wire pool for you to go and pick up. But who are the guys that might be worth a, a flyer selection from Port Adelaide and Collingwood to jag that 70, 80, 90 points to win you your premiership this year? Are there, are there any guys that are sitting in the waiver pool that you go, look, there, there could be something with this guy? 
Yeah, well, there's a few that jump out to me. We'll start with Port down back because I think that's where probably the most value is. And again, we know that defenders against Collingwood are just having a field day. It's just the way they set up. There's usually a lot of ball mm. back there and they allow the opposition to possess it in their back half without pressing really hard on the receiver. So a guy that's always in the way of Paul MJ, he's just a regular guy, but he has the ability to go big and he's coming off a 77-point score last week is Riley Bonner. Mm. When, when he's in that side, he has that ability and he is the type of guy that... And again, you're bringing these guys on, MJ, because you need something to happen. Yeah. You know, you're bringing these guys on because... You know, you need a 70 out of the blue to get the job done. And he is a guy that can do that. Trent McKenzie's probably another one. He's probably more likely to be owned than Riley Bonner, I would say, just yep. because he's a consistent feature in, in the, the team. team. But he, he has that ability, especially with the kickouts. Any mm. of those kickout guys, if there's a runner behind, these guys can get, you know, 12 to 15 points just from that. And we know in this condensed game time, that's extremely valuable. So I really like him. Again, selection is going to be interesting for the power because there's nothing to be gained from then winning or losing. No. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's impossible to predict at this time of the week. But, you know, do you give a Charlie Dixon a rest and it brings, you know, a Todd Marshall Georgie into the Harris, game? Yeah. Does it bring these type of guys into a game? And, and again, another one that just has that X factor ability is, a Stevie Motlot mm. or a Kane Farrell, these types of guys that, you know, when it goes their way, they can go big. Again, these are not the guys, and they're in the way of a pool for a reason. They're not consistent scorers. <laughs> but they're guys that, as I said, if you get to the last game of the year and you realize that you need a 70-point score to get it done, you've got to have a swing and take one of these guys and hope it happens. And I think those guys have that potential. On the Collingwood end, to be honest, Depending on the week, if you look at some of the scores that their players, again, starting in defense, can put out. Yeah. Last week against the Suns, Isaac Quainer was 70-plus. Again, depending on the league, especially if you keep, he's probably not as likely to be available. Mm-hmm. But again, in his last four games, Jack Majden has two 70-plus scores. Yeah. Like, there's just guys that can pop, especially in Collingwood. We've seen it time to time. They can possess the footy, and they can possess it a lot in that back one area. Jamie Elliott's another one. Again, he's had a, probably a too good last three games. He's got 103, 60, and then a 69 in his last three. So on form, he's probably a guy that would probably be picked up. Yeah. And the other one I always seem to like is Will Hoskin Elliott. Again, another guy that's right on the fringe of being in the waiver pool every week. But he has that ability for sure. Yeah, there are some really good options for us through there. And... Those little 20, 30, 40-point moves uh, can really make a difference in those crucial head-to-head, head-to-head matchups. On the reverse, and maybe it's more a keeper league strategy, and it definitely is, is as coaches do look to try to bring players in, whether it be a certain player is missed out um, because they're a surprise omission, i.e. a Ben Ainsworth, or they're trying to maximize that bench score and roster a player that's not playing. We might see some keeper coaches, and to be fair in a grand final, I'd understand the strategy of whatever I need to drop into the player pool to be able to get those points on field for the chance to win a premiership. I understand why you'd do that. Totally get why you're doing that. So not saying you shouldn't do that. However, for coaches out of the grand final, we could get some gems that just happen to fall in the waiver wire. Because let's be honest, if you're not in the grand final in drafts, most people's mindsets have started to to move away from fantasy footy. They're probably not even listening to this podcast, and that's okay. But there could be some guys that we just see appear on the waiver wire that are, are well worth paying attention to on Tuesday morning. Yeah, for sure, especially in keepers, MJ, because we know, obviously, in single season draft, you know, if they're not matter. playing this week, they're they're worthless to. You. What we often see this time of year is it's the kids. Yeah, especially if you're in a league with a rookie list. There will be players in the grand final that just want to maximize every avenue to win that game. And like you said, I totally get it. Yep. But it does mean you will see some names that have no right to be on the waiver wire be dropped down. Yeah. Harry Schonberg was one that I saw in a couple leagues. And again, funnily enough, he was terrific on the field this week, which yeah. makes it even more painful because he was not lasting more than an hour on that waiver <laughs> wire once people saw it. And, and that's the thing with the rolling with the rolling lockouts and the rolling, you know, waiver wire is that mm. 
you can pick up and drop players straight away. There's there's some leagues that will have him, you know, that he drops to become a restricted free agent and you can put a bid in for him. But a lot of leagues, it's just pick up and play because teams are so on the fly that you have to have that availability to make the game, you know, fair for everyone to even field a team. So I'd be keeping an eye out on him. Yeah. Again, even at guys like, you know, Finn McGuinness that was probably drafted initially in a redraft, mm. you know, making his way down just because people need bodies. So, again, you'll be surprised what comes onto the waiver. So, as I said, even if you're not in the grand final, just keep an eye out, especially for the teams. Have a look at their team and just see, you know, what could be coming. And certainly look when that matchup's been played, yeah. again, when they're likely to make that move to drop a player. All right, there you go. Hopefully that's going to help you with your draft leagues. Um, Let's talk probably the biggest dilemma for coaches that do still have a trade in Dream Team and Supercoach, and that is um, Sam Doherty. Wow. Look, I'm surprised that Carlton even played him. I know that finals were were a chance, uh, but I'm still surprised they kind of played him. Injury with his calf inside that first quarter, he's now done for the year, I can't see a world that they would risk further injury to him, even if he was semi-right to go. So I think it's a forced trade for us, potentially, in Dream Team and Supercoach, while AFL Fantasy, it's an obvious move to make him. But there is some merit, Kane, before we look at the trade replacements. We do, depending on who's on your side, you do have the chance to get a sneaky look at whether or not you have to trade at all. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Last week, Trent Rivers was the guy that bailed a lot of coaches out. And honestly, I think a lot of people thought with the score that Rivers dished up, Mm. you know, can can Doherty do any better based on the form he was in? So there was a lot of people that just said, I'm just going to take this, you know, 100 plus score in Supercoach, you know, and this 60, 70 plus score in Dream Team and think, well, what's, you know, 76, hard for Doherty to sort of beat that in his current form. And then, Again, you had people that fielded Doherty, hmm. and all of a sudden you're down 65 points and 100 points yeah. across the formats. And um, to be honest, it was just such an embarrassing incident for the Blues, wasn't it? Yeah. Again, with, with the cloud that was over him in the week, they didn't even put him on their injury report, which you know had a lot of people thinking, you know, how legit is this injury? And then to barely make it through a quarter of the game, yeah. and to have this score, you know. But yeah, you've got to take the opportunity to have a look at a Rivers if you've got him, MJ, because. Again, people are down to well. If they're not, if they've got more than two trades, it doesn't make any sense because you can't even use them all. Yeah. But people are down to either none, you know, or if you do have one or two, have a look at this at Rivers because yeah. if he scores a sixty-plus score, where are you going to from Doherty where you're going to net much more than that? I know people. Oh, Caleb Daniel scored, you know, one twenty plus. Yeah, but that was it's against Hawthorne. Again, and let's be honest, MJ, that's not a great matchup to play Frio. If no. anyone's seen Kazali Stadium nope. and the conditions that have been played in up there, it's it is not conducive to a high mark game. Maybe no. Daniel could get 30 points from taking the kickouts because sure. it's, you know, it's really tricky up there. But let's be honest, that was a score. That's, 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 that's one in a year. If we played score. a full game, that is his career best score. By a long like, way. That's, that's a 160. Like That just doesn't happen every week. So I think you're chasing the car a little bit yep. there if you bring Caleb Daniel. So. I don't see you're going to gain many points by doing a move like that. And I'd probably have the line at about 60. If Rivers gets 60, or if you've got another player that is going to play before that Blues game, I look at Adelaide being available. Lockie Scholl was a player that a lot of people lucked into a really good score from him last week. So if you've got those two guys, you'd be crazy not to have a look before you pull the trigger on Doherty. And again, I know you're ruling out some options by doing that. Mm. You know, you're ruling out North and West Coast players. You're ruling out Saints and Giants. You're ruling out Bees and Bombers and Tigers and Crows. But there's still some options later in the week. So really good I'd matchups. be, I'd be, you know, especially in the form that Rivers is in, MJ. And it's a matchup with Essendon. It's yeah. far from a matchup. You that's know, where difficult. You think they're going to be starved of the ball. It's not yeah. the case. Yeah, that's right. So I'd be looking at thinking if I can get a sixty, I reckon I can find more than twenty points you know, available there. And I guess if you do have two trades left, you've got an opportunity now. If you don't have a completed side, you could drop Sam Doherty down to a bargain basement player who's not going to play to loophole Rivers score. Yeah. And then take a rookie up. So you've got some flexibility there. So I would I would pump the brakes and just use your emergencies as much as you can. Because that's the whole purpose of the trade. The yeah. purpose of the trade is to get more points. It's not just to go premium to premium because 
you want a premium. It's to get maximum points. So, yep. again, use your Rivers, use your Shoals, whoever you've got on the bench that's going to play before Doherty. Perez, whatever, if the, yeah. If the, if the score's no good, again, absolutely move him on. But totally. give yourself a chance to get points that way. And then maybe you've, it opens up the option to go sideways somewhere else because, you know, if we touch on a guy like Lockie Neal, again, who was tagged last week and he's about to walk into Ed Kernow. Last yeah. year, Lockie Neal had a game against... And it was a great game for the Blues. It was probably one of the best games I've seen ever from a player. And Patrick Cripps took the Lions to town. But Lockie Neal was on 90 points at halftime last year against the Blues. Yeah. Ed Kernow kept him to 14 in the second half. Wow. So I'd have to think... At Lockie Neal's price, when you can have a pick at a litter of any other midfielder, mm-hmm. I reckon you can almost find another midfielder to get you more than 20 points from Lockie Neal this week. So, again, use that bench. Save that trade. I know it probably didn't work out this week when people wanted to trade Sam Doherty and trade Jai Simpkin. But I think in this specific scenario, when you've got good cover, yeah, let them go to work and see what happens from there. Yeah, I, I think it's some really good advice. And, and knowing that if you are going to make those premium to premium trades because you're trying to avoid a tag in the in the Lockie Neal instance. Also know there's risk associated with that trade. There is every chance that Ed Conner does not tag. And and that Neal goes and runs amok like he has Absolutely. Um for most of the to be fair, he's not in the greatest of form anyway at the moment. Barring probably two weeks ago, um in the Q clash. Outside of that he, he's kind of been out of form. In, in contrast to what he did to the early year. So there's a risk that, yep, you move, you hold Kerno, um, having Neil down to a 20, 30 points below his average. There's every chance of that. And coaches that captained him this week, they know the pain of the tag. On the other side of it, he could just, Carlton go, you know, a year is done. We're just going to experiment. Uh, we're going to try some different things. We're going to put some kids in different roles and different stuff. And, and Neil just gets free ball and, and gets another 150 in Supercoach and a 120 in Dream Team in AFL Fantasy. It's equally as likely. Um, and the matchups and, and team selection should give you a level of indication. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the thing. You're going to have to make a decision. And especially if you're in a league grand final. Yeah. Again, you've got to take some hard looks at your team. And again, ideally in every scenario, you want to wait. Yeah. You don't want to be making a rash move if you can wait and actually see that, hey, I'm actually the one that's in the box seat here. Let them make you know, the crazy move The crazy move, and, and try to catch me. So uh, you always want to be patient and give your players a chance just to, just to see what you have to do. Again, we had someone send a message in to us over the weekend that said, I forgot to make a trade I was meant to make. My only chance to win this game is to trade Lockie Neal because he's my opponent's captain. Mm. What do I do? The person ended up trading Lockie Neal to Scott Pendlebury. Oh, nice. The other guy kept Lockie Neal as their captain. And all of a sudden, a matchup that they were bound to lose, Lockie Neal scored in the 50s. That person had Max Gorn as the vice captain. 200-point swing later. Yeah. They won the game by 10 points. Come on. But you just, if, that's, if that's the situation you're in, don't just concede because Lockie no. Neal's a great player. Again, just make a move and hope that it goes your way. And again, for that guy to be in a cash league grand final trading Lockie Neal, even though it probably made little sense. Again, I don't think anyone thought Ryan Clark would do that good of a job on him. Yeah. But hey, you were set to lose if you kept it with Lockie Neal in your side. So again, all the rules go out the window when we're talking about one week of footy. Literally yeah. anything can happen. We're not asking for... 17 weeks of good scoring. Nope. We're asking, what can they do in this one week? We said last week, Tom Rockliffe is the biggest no-brainer yep. if you can get him. Yeah, especially. Against Essendon, Port Adelaide just looking to lock things away. He's not. He's always going to play big minutes, which is, at the start of the year, his scoring was you know not at the level we expect because he was barely on the ground. Yeah. Now it's Travis Boat getting that rest, you know, keeping the minutes in the 70%. Tom Rockliffe's up at 90%. Of yeah. course he's going to score well. Yeah. And, if, and he's not a player that they're going to rest. Again, no offense to Tom, but he's not as important as a boat as yep. a Dixon. If anyone's going to get managed in game, it's going to be them. It's not going to be a Tom Rockliffe who's just a workhorse and yeah. finds the ball at will. So, again, you just need one week. You just need to catch lightning in a bottle for one week. And that's where MJ, on the flip side, the Tarantos of the world, oh my gosh. the Simpkins, obviously the Doherty injury. Mitchell. The, yeah. the, Tom Mitchell. That wow. was just... Again, that's where it just absolutely kills you. So, again, 
you can't have any fear in these weeks. No. Again, if you think that's the matchup, do it. But as I said earlier, give yourself the best chance to use your bench because you might get a pleasant surprise. Sam Wicks had 64 on the weekend end. He outscored Taranto by 20 points. Yeah. So, again, anything can happen when it's a one-game sample size. Would you be tempted to use some draft strategy that we talked about at the front where we're loopholing certain players or attempting to play the loopholes? Is that something you'd look at doing early on in the round uh, for our fantasy formats as well? We've got North Melbourne, West Coast, St Kilda and Giants. You know, the Thursday-Friday games, at least by then we'll have some visibility on what the Saturday squads look like. And we've got the three games rolling through there before the next three on Sunday, the one on the Monday. Is that something you'd consider looking at, taking a, a Simpkin? Or, gosh, it feels wrong. Even a Goldstein? Because um, I, I don't like the Draper matchup. If you were to trying to loophole against him, I don't like the Goldie matchup either against Nick Newman, um, Nick Nat. But is that something we should be looking at? Or is that not quite the aggressive part of the strategies to consider? Well, that's the really hard thing with a guy like Simpkin is that he does play that first game of the round. So. Yeah. You've got a couple of things that, you know, give me some cause for concern. By that point, you've got visibility on one other team sheet. You've got visibility on the Saints and the Giants. Yeah. I think the Giants is a good one to have visibility on because yeah. we know they dropped the captain last week. Yeah, and no one's safe now. Then on the flip side, you think, you know, how far do they take it? Because if, if Stephen Canelio's form was good enough, wasn't good enough to be in the team, well, I'm worried about Cameron, Taranto, and a host of other players, yeah. probably outside of Lockie Whitfield, Josh Kelly, and a couple other young guys. Yeah. So um, if that's the path they want to go down, again, no offense to the likes of you know Jack Buckley playing his first game, but you can't tell me that he's a better player in that side than Absolutely Stephen Cornelio. Yeah. So I don't know, you know what Leon Cameron's going to do. So that's a good thing to have visibility on because there's a lot of people that jumped on Taranto you know, a few weeks back, there's a lot of people that have, you know, not Lockie Whitfield's in trouble, but Lockie mm. Whitfield and Toby Green. So, yeah. Uh, again, I'd love to put Simpkin on the bench and see what he does. Obviously, if I do that, I can't trade him. So, who who am I actually going to be able to trade then? You know, if you're stuck with a Sam Sturt on the field loopholing him with and Simpkin scores a 40, yeah. well, what are you going to do? Trade Sam Sturt to... Buckley. A rook, any rookie that you can afford. And, and is that the best way then to... Yeah. So I think that's the really tricky part is I think I'm, it makes sense to me to put a Simpson on the bench and, and peak his score. Yeah. I just find it really hard then to have another avenue that can outscore him. Unless you've got bench cover. Maybe you've got a Riccardi yeah. on the bench. Like maybe Coleman. in that scenario, if you've got a guy like that and then you know at least you feel like if Simpkin, you know sucks it up again with a sub-50 score maybe you've got an opportunity, but then mm. you'd be kicking yourself, MJ, on the flip side, thinking, I've got enough cash to take Simpkin to a Blake Akers. Yeah. You know, these type of guys. So that's where I feel like it's a really, really tricky week. And you have to be thinking to yourself, you know, where can I net the most points? You know, you might have to just have the gutsy call and go, you know what? I'm just going to play Trent Rivers on the field for Sam Doherty. Yeah. And I'm going to trade Jai Simpkin to the best player I can get because I think I can get 30 to 40 points by doing so. Right there, yeah. That's the hard thing with Simkin, though, MJ, is that he had the role. It, nothing in his role was different. No. It's just that he wasn't touching it. And when you look at a 31 and a 45 in the last two weeks in DT, I don't blame people for wanting to trade Guy Simkin. And unfortunately for North Melbourne, they're just in a horrible position. The season can't come quick enough. Yeah. And you're, and you're against the West Coast. I know it's not you know, in WA, so they're not as deadly, but, you know, they want to finish the season as strong as they enter finals. Well, you know, they're not going to If they win, and if they win, they win and some other results go their way, West Coast can make the top four. Um, exactly, and they don't know what's going to happen down the line, so they've just got to finish strong. Yep. Which is horrible for, for a North Melbourne um, side. So I get the temptation to pull the trigger on that, especially, as I said, if you go, yeah, I really like, that I can get to this person. Same with again, Goldie. It's the same theory, isn't agreed. it? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you're up against Nick Nash. Yeah. I think that, in a sense, and again, unfortunately, with the way Goldie's been going, his price is at a point now where There's it's, you know, it's not as easy to get to, you know, a Gorn 
and O'Brien. Like, O'Brien is playing against Richmond. That's the match. Vancouver's is the type of ruckman that you can score against. He doesn't even usually contest the ruck, um, the ruck contest in his own forward line. He sits out there to get the intercept mark. So a lot of ruckmen can just grab it out there and hack it out yeah. and get points down that avenue. Like we're talking in genuinely $200,000 in Dream Team to get to, to Riley O'Brien. I, I don't know if, if people have that. And again, it might be the last trade you have. And yeah, so to well, use that at the start of the round is dangerous. Look, if you are looking for like a, for sake of a better term, a money ball ruck that you could yep. afford from Goldie, and maybe it's recency bias, but I actually like Paddy Ryder against mm. a, a GWS roulette of rucks. Um, yeah, and we saw the way that Mumford plays. The only way Mumford was going to stop Gorn scoring was by trying to punch him in the back of the head, which he yeah. did on multiple occasions. And and I think the Saints, I know that's, again, that's clearly a game that it's all on the line. Yes. St. Kilda's lost some really winnable games that they had really strong claims on West Coast, Melbourne. They could have really locked it up. Yeah. And I think they just come out and absolutely put the Giants to the sword. I well, think they have I think to. that's a great type of guy because um, their back line's not super strong at the moment, the Giants. You know, no. no Phil Davis. And like you said, Paddy Wright is the type of guy. And we saw how well he actually scored against Nick Nat. Nick He's Nat one of the really few guys well. in the league that has again, got Nick he doesn't Nat. quite have the aerial ability um, in the ruck stuff as Nick Nat, but he's, he's bloody close. If you want to center bounce Ruckman exclusively, outside of Nick Nat, Paddy Ryder is right in that conversation. Absolutely. And that's why he contests so many of them. Rowan Marshall plays forward and obviously does a lot of great work around the grounds, but I'm telling you, that that ability of Paddy Ryder in the center bounce, yeah. again, he's going to jump straight over Shane Mumford. So I think, like we said earlier, MJ, you only need one game. And I do think that he's the type of guy that, um, again, mobility-wise, it does really suit him to play against a guy like Mumford. And maybe they bring in Jacobs. But... It'd be the same. He, he, yeah. Just as strong um, an option. And again, I'd only do it if it's you need the ca- um, you've, you're on a limited cash budget or you're trying to get some extra dollars into the bank account for the second trade or in AFL Fantasy if you're taking a Goldie down to a rider because hopefully somewhere along the way you want to get the Doherty move up or you've yep. got to fix a a failed stepping stone forward or you're just sick of a certain player and you want to go get a certain guy. So those are the sort of moves I'd be doing. If we were to look, kind of match up by match up for a second, who are the guys that either across formats, definitely from a draft perspective, might be guys to look at? Who is one or two player from each side in each matchup that you go, I'd love some shares on this player today, this matchup. I, I think that there's something there because like if we look Thursday night between West Coast and North Melbourne I I feel like if I had a West Coast forward especially um, or a West Coast defender I'd be feeling pretty excited about the potential scoring yeah I think you'd have to agree I think the one that people are really starting to realize just how good of a player is and he's pushing higher up the ground to get more of the ball too is Liam Ryan yeah again he's the perfect draft type of guy because He's pushing up the ground. He's an excellent mark. Mm. I think people are starting to catch on that he's actually one of the best field kicks in the AFL. Like yeah. His ability to set up other players is incredible. And obviously, we know how deadly he can be in front of goal, and he's always capable of kicking three or four. The other one that you just, depending on selection, is a guy like Jack Darling always has that volatility yeah. that he can just grab hold of an opposition, especially when you have to think the ball is going to be coming in thick and fast, and that is the only slight concern. We do see sometimes with defenders that when you can move the ball so quickly on a team that you're superior to, you don't really get that opportunity to chip it around. Yeah. And on the flip side, it's going to be down in North Melbourne's defence a lot. And, and that's where a Luke McDonald, if you want a guy that can separate yourself, like we've seen MJ, we ruled it off a couple of weeks ago. He had three 120 type of scores this year in DT in a five-game period. Yeah. Like, defenders just don't go that level that consistently. We spoke about Caleb Daniel doing it once this year because it's a career-high game. Mm. To do that that often, it's dried up a little bit to McDonald, and I think that's because, again, the media's been really critical of that game style of North Melbourne. You know, it doesn't lead to points, unfortunately. But again, even if you look at his last three, he was an 86, a 56, and a 70. And that... 56 was against Port. And Port are a very hard team to score against. They press so high. They force you just to blaze it away. They don't allow yeah. you to chip. They, they pressure right up, and they want you to turn it over 
in your defence. And it's, unfortunately for North Melbourne, they're not quite good enough to use their skills to kick no. through that type of pressure at this stage. But I think against West Coast, you know, they might get given that opportunity. So, again, if you want the volatility of a guy that can really set it up for you, I think Luke McDonald's that type of guy. And yeah. really, his floor now is 60, like, which is not going to kill you, no. MJ. But his ceiling could matchup. win it for you, yeah. His ceiling could win it for you, but again, he is a pricey option in DK. For that, he's over 700000 Yeah, I don't think many he, people have that luxury. He's $100 more than Andrew Gatt. Like, how <laughs> do you not love... I think Andrew Gatt's the type of guy... I love his matchup this week, yeah. If you got him as a VC, yeah. he has the ability to go 120. Like, this is a type of game where, you know, the queue's in the rack, and Andrew Gatt's on eight minutes, minutes to go, yeah. and then he finishes on 120, and... If you watched the Fremantle-North Melbourne game over the weekend and you saw Blake Akers matched yeah. up on Jared Pollock, yeah. I know Andrew Gaff's a bit more high profile and commands a little bit more respect, but Pollock let Akers do as he pleases. And Whatever he was marking he everything coming out of defence. Just working, just yeah. working up and down the ground. And um, he had an absolute field day. I, think I don't think it's going to be quite as easy for Akers against the dogs uh, no, in that, you know, horrible conditions so. of Kazali Stadium and that wind and all that sort of stuff that makes it tricky. But again, I think Gaff's the type of guy that that's just such a juicy matchup. That's the one for me. That, that anything could happen. Yeah, and it gives you that chance. If you're vice-captaining him, again, whether you've got it on in drafts or your salary cap formats, it gives you the other eight teams, oh, sorry, the other eight matches to be able to really get a good look and visibility and see which plays you can maximize. So I really, really like that. Uh, look, the West Coast midfield's still going to be a little bit undermanned, but it will get some reinforcements this week. It looks like Dom Sheed's going to be right to go. Elliot Yo won't be, but it looks like they'll get some reinforcements. So any North Melbourne midfielders outside of the ones you're usually going for, um, being an Anderson and a DeMont, there's probably nothing else. Luke Davies-Uniak's a good player. I just don't know. Still if volatile, though, isn't he's, he? Yeah, there's a 50-point swings every week with yeah. him at the moment. So I, I'd feel really nervous. As a bench option in a draft, sure, play that loophole. But I'd be really nervous to put him on the field. Um, let's look at the Friday night. We've already talked about Paddy Ryder. Uh, regardless of which of the ruck roulette that GWS go for, he's got a really, really nice matchup through there. Are there any other Giants and Saints you like the looks of? Well, in a, in a draft format, this is a guy, again, that always seems to be on and off waivers, but a Ben Patton. Mm. Again, he has that ability to get six, seven, eight marks, depending on the matchup. And, he, and he's got you know a 72 as a career-high this year, twice, like that's the type of guy. If you're getting, you know, pretty much a ninety yeah. from a back, I'll you're pretty it. comfortable with that. Again, his last three isn't super red hot, but it's you know fifty four. So again, another sort of high sixties, low seventies with the potential to go seventy plus. Mm. And I think that's a really nice platform to start on. And again, on the waivers, you know, most weeks, obviously Jack Steele's the one that people will be thinking about. But I think you've always got to have concern, as Matt good as he DeBoer. is, especially on the inside, is what is the ball going to do? Yeah. I, I still, and we've spoken about how confusing GWS oh, selection is, GWS, GWS usage of their players, but when Matt DeBoer is sitting in the forward line, <laughs> and you think about the damage he does, like you think, you cast your mind, MJ, back to round one, and yeah. we know that he's a regular feature in your top 50 to start the year because he is that destructive to our the opposition yes. players yeah. that it's just silly almost to start with a guy that plays him early in the season yeah. because you will get them cheaper and you're going to be behind the eight ball. Think about what he did to Patrick Dangerfield. He killed Dangerfield is one of the hardest players to tag because he's so explosive, he's so good overhead, and he has the ability to go forward yeah. and escape a tag. And he kept him restricted. We've seen what he's done to Dusty Martin in the past. We, yeah. he's, we know what his resume yeah. is. We know what his resume is. Yet he sits in the half-forward flank. Yeah, it's weird. And I think you've got Oliver and Petrarca. Again, Petrarca probably was too explosive for him, and he was on him just in stoppages, and he, and he burst away. But even just going to him and having him do that. A body on the know, contest, look, yeah. Look what he did to Matt Fife. Yeah. He, had, he gave Smashed Fife him. a terrible day. So the usage of DeBoer... I know it wasn't there last week on a mid, but you've always sort of have that worry that in the coming. back of your mind that he will go to someone. Yeah. And again, as good as Steele is, and we know how good of a tackler he is, that he, he builds his score that way. But in my mind, it's 
always risky, especially with so many other juicy options. Like we just spoke about Gap. Like yeah. Gap is as safe as houses this week. I just feel like most people, and again, even in a draft sense, most people have a better player, I feel like, than Steele this week because you just don't want to get off on the foot of, you know, a vice captain being a 50 yeah. or a 60. And yeah. now you've got the pressure on to find a captain, you know, that can deliver. I just the feel pops. like, again, it's just probably not worth the risk in my eyes. Maybe he goes to a Brad Hill. You know, yeah. maybe that's the way he goes. But sure. again, just that risk, you know, just that risk of a Jack Steele that I, I just think you can find a better option this week. Yep. And, and on the Giants side, Who knows? how do you, we, you we keep thinking that every week, you know, Toby Green's back in the midfield. Again, he's back in the midfield. He barely tackled the other week. You, yeah. You'd think, I think he had one tackle last week against the Crows. But, yeah. And he was up and around the ball, but just again, nothing. That endeavour to, you know, to really lay the tackles on and apply that pressure it wasn't there. And they lost the game, you know, partly because of that. You know, the Crows were hungry around the ball. And again, if you saw the end of the Melbourne game, no one wanted to run with Ed Langdon. Yeah. Ed Langdon was head down. And there was two times in particular where Melbourne went coast to coast just because he wanted to work harder than them. So to have any faith in a Giants, again, you look at the scores last week, Taranto 44, even Whitfield who tries his guts out yeah. setting up play, 68. Toby yeah. Green, 68. Yeah. I know Zach Williams was, was good, but again, he's a risk every week, not only to go down with injury, but just to have a quiet game because of role. Yeah. Bailey Fritch did a defensive job in a way on Nick Haynes just by putting him in dangerous areas. Yeah. Kept him to 47. Yeah. So, Again, it, I guess the way I'm talking, MJ, is I'm probably steering clear of most Giants just because of that volatility. Maybe the only one is Josh Kelly, just because, again, he's we know Josh what his ceiling is. Yeah. And he's, again, he's very hard to tag in that sense. But we've seen what Seb Ross can do. So mm. there's a risk everywhere that I think... Yeah, I want nothing to do I'm, with any GWS players. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm tipping the Saints, quite honestly. So As you should. I don't see... I don't see the Giants being that team that I'm going to go down this week. Yeah, all right. Well, let's move quickly to Essendon and Melbourne. I, I think if you don't have an Andrew Gaff, the vice-captaincy option, Maxi Gorn is always a good captaincy pick. But up against a Sam Draper, you do expect that he's going to teach the kid a little bit of a lesson um, a- along the way. And then we do have some reasonable premium options to look through. Look, it, I-, I wouldn't be going after Petrarca. If you don't have him at this point in time, it's purely a defensive trade. Now, I think you might want to try to take a risk on another forward in another line. Merritt's been good in, in chunks of this year. Devin Smith popped for us the other week um, with a ton across the formats. And then Rivers, who we've already alluded to, is that guy we can loophole uh, for the Sam Doherty if we need it. Yeah, I think Max Gorn, MJ, you think about this season, lowest scores, a 73 in round one against West Coast. We yeah. know... That was against Nick Natanui, and the Eagles, you know, deservedly won that game quite comfortably in the end. And a 73 against the Crows yeah. when he was really battling with injury. Remember, he was barely lucky to get up. Yeah, shoulder and knee problems that game. Yeah, well, he ended up missing rounds 11, 12, and 13 after it, and he's returned with scores of 83, 196, and 103. In Dream Team so, Fantasy, yeah. In Dream Team. So if you want safe, I think he's the perfect guy as your captain. Like, yeah. I know it's early in the round, but if Doesn't you want to take a fly on the ceiling of, and again, you've got two games to look at there. If you want to take a fly on the ceiling of gap, yeah, and then just you're gonna you're gonna have a really safe, I'm gonna say minimum eighty at the absolute worst coming back injury, from yeah. Gorn. Again, obviously on the flip side, you could chase the ceiling of Gorn with the VC, yeah, and then really, you know, depending on your matchup, at least you keep your powder dry. If you need to go out of the blue and and pick a player late in the round just to hope that they put you over the edge by all means but, yeah um i'd be looking at my head-to-head matches they don't have dawn you've got to put the vc or c on him just to yeah. separate yourself because it's so safe yeah i agree uh let's talk about the crows and the tigers defenders against richmond are, are generally good pickups uh so Brody smith's been quiet over the last couple of weeks but he's spent a lot of time down back and out of that midfield unit um through there maybe shoal might be there, but he played up on the wing this mm. week. So these are the sort of guys that Shoal and Rivers are the cover for Doherty. Um, certainly the obvious matchup is Riley O'Brien up against Toby Nankervis that should pop pretty hard for us. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people trumpeting how big Rob's score was last year against the Tigers. We've got to remember that was the Tigers and didn't have Bolter, Nankervis. I think. Yeah, it was 
I think it was even Marbio Chol. Yeah, it was. It was Chol and Polter. It, it, it was. It wasn't even a ruck one, nah. to be fair. So, I, I, as good as Riley O'Brien was in that period of time, I think there was a lot of factors going his way. I, I wouldn't quite expect, you know, the one that type of number. But yeah. I think, I think again, another really solid eighty. Like if you're in a draft league and you've only got three or four options in your team to choose from each week, yeah, and you want something real safe, I, I'd be getting aggressive on the VC if I could, knowing that I have the safety net of a Riley O'Brien to come back to. I thought. Brad Crouch for his value yep. is very, very juicy because, you know, you can almost take us to Caleb Sarong. If people still have Canelio in their team, yeah. he doesn't come back, even though I think he will. I think he's the type of guy that, you know, Richmond's not really going to put massive attention into these guys. No. But I think we know with Brad that, again, he's, he's very safe in that 70 to 90 range Indeed, most weeks yeah. this year. On the Richmond side, there's a lot of coaches, MJ, fed up with Basha Hooley, yeah. to be honest. And they're gonna, I get it too. He was calling for the ball, and the ball just didn't go to him at Nowhere all. Near. And, and we know in last year in particular, I know there was an incredible run at the MCG, which he doesn't have the access to mm. this year. But again, they would go out of their way to give it to Basher. Yeah, you know, and we and we saw how consistently good he was. So while I don't think you'd be moving away from him, you wouldn't have the confidence to bring a guy like that in if you've just nope. seen the form against the Cats and, and Richmond were, you know, clearly the better team in that game. So he's a guy that I'm probably steering clear of. Again, Dusty has an incredible record against the Crows. Yep. There's always that risk though, isn't there, that if Richmond are comfortably up going into the final term, does he just sit forward? Technical. And again, he's always capable he's of scoring dangerous up there, there clearly. Too, yeah. But, you know, is there that real desire to pump out, you know, a hundred? Yep. You know, a one a one thirty, one forty in Supercoach. So yeah, I'd probably be steering clear of a lot of plays in this game. Again, Brad Crouch for the value, just knowing how much cash people are dealing with at this time of year. I think yeah. he's a guy that will give you a solid score. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair call. It's not the juicy matchup we thought it would be four weeks ago, where it was, hey, get those Tigers ready for that grand final round. Like, this looks like it's going to be awesome. Crows are a much more improved side than they were a couple of weeks ago. That is for sure. Brisbane and Carlton. We've already talked about the potential Ed Kerno tag. Carlton's season is done. Brisbane are in a similar position to Port Adelaide, aren't they, as well, where where there's not heaps to play for in in the sense of top two secured. So we might we might see a couple of guys just get that cautiously let's get them built into finals. So that's no inside mail. That's genuinely speculative. But we could see guys like Neil, Lyons, McCluggage, if they're carrying a bit at sore, there's no benefit right now for them to push hard in this game. No, the only one real benefit for Lockie Neal is that it wouldn't be a bad thing to poll another three votes and just lock away the Brownlow medal. Totally. I think the ones you've always got to worry about is, let's not forget, you've still got to put 22 players on the park. Yeah. Uh, I think Dane Zorko is the one that is always a worry with his, you know, the niggles he's been dealing with this year. And it's incredible how he responded yeah. in scoring when he came back. But we've seen some of the scoring he's dished up lately, MJ. It's the just, variables. It's huge. We, we, know, we know he's volatile. Yeah. We know how good he can be. But when you look at the last three weeks, 56, 124, 49. Yeah, like, team. Yeah. That's, that's all over the shop, quite frankly. And, um, Super coach is similar. Supercoach is similar, and he's always that type of guy that you know gives you ups and downs, and, yeah. and you hope you get him when he's on the ups because he's he's as big as they come. But again, you couldn't be bringing a guy like him in, you know, with what he's dealt with this year in terms of injuries. Um, you have to think the younger guys would be fine. You know, yep. a guy that always jumps out that maybe affects draft is a virtual. Yep. Like he's always a guy that maybe you get an extra week. But we do have this week between finals, and a lot of coaches keep talking about the continuity. They don't want to. Best have players in and out of the side. So, again, it's always a risk playing for you that there's going to be an injury. But I sure. feel like a lot of these teams will just, you know, roll through. You know, Brisbane were pushed really hard for three quarters By against Sydney. the Swans. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they want some momentum going into finals, especially after last year where they lost two home finals to be bundled out. They've got an opportunity again to host a final at the Gabba and, and obviously they'll host two, whether they win yeah. or lose week one. So, I think there's a real desire to come out and just stamp themselves as, yep, we're playing good for you. We are a legit threat. Because if yeah. you think about it, MJ, 
everyone still has Geelong and Richmond who sit below them on the ladder and can't pass them on the ladder mm. as the premiership favourites. Yeah. And there's two so teams above them. Yeah. Exactly. And there's two teams above them on the ladder who've played great footy all year and deserve the other top two teams. Yeah. So I think there's a desire for, you know, Rich, uh, for Brisbane in particular to come out. Yet we're playing good footy. You know, we are deserving of a home final. And as I said, maybe Zorko just with what he's dealt with this year. But I think, you know, the likes of Lockie Neal, Lions, these guys want to finish really strong. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, if we look to the Sunday games, Hawthorne and Gold Coast, the, the Battle of the Kids, um, we're going to see a couple of retiring premiership stars from the Hawks in uh, Stratton and Puopolo finish off their career. But there are some options we could look at. Hugh Greenwood's been a nice forward for us all year in Supercoach. Um, not unique, but he's been good. Wingard, uh, you know, is as volatile as they come in terms of scoring. Um, but he's been up and down uh, right throughout the year. Will Day, Scrimshaw, Greaves, you know, there, there's some backline options for us through there. So I, I don't mind it. for a, If I had a Gold Coast player, I'd, I'd be p- excited at the potential because the Hawks are starting to redevelop their list um, yeah, at the moment. You, you, you wouldn't feel, well, I don't feel super confident tipping either side no. in this game. MJ. I think the type of guy for a draft perspective who, you know, it's a type of game where he can deliver a 70 plus score and he did one last week with Luke Bruce. Mm. Like he's just that type of guy that can push up the ground a little bit at times. We know how deadly he is in front of goal and all of a sudden there's a 70 point score and you're yeah. more than happy to put that on your pine. Again, from a actual salary cap option. Yeah, no. Again, I don't really see too many players in here that you feel super confident. Wingard was extremely quiet the first, the first half, half. yeah. But as he does, as volatile as he is year to year, he's also volatile quarter to quarter, and that's good and bad. Yeah. Obviously, the first half was the bad. But again, to, to claw your way to a 68, like that's that's more than fine in this year that we're dealing. That's an, you know, an 85 yeah, that's in years past. Like you're happy with that. Um, Again, like, MJ, do you have any real confidence in Tom Mitchell? I, I think nope. pretty much every team has him. Obviously, drafts different. When, as I said, you've only got a few options. You'd, you know, you'd maybe think about a VC, but I wouldn't be feeling super confident just throwing the C on him. Like it's nah. just for nah. whatever reason, it's just it's just not the Tom Mitchell we know and love. It's not. And, and, and it looked again, like he was going to be, it, didn't he? Yeah, it looked yeah, like there was a four or five really weeks nicely. in the middle of the year where, like, oh, hello. Here he comes. And then just for a variety of different reasons, it, it hasn't quite popped and worked for him just beyond that. Um, Sydney and, and Geelong, uh, who knows who's going to ruck in this game, to be honest. There, there could be about eight different options. So, uh, again, maybe a nice little fly pick for you uh, through your draft league through there. Paddy Dangerfield could have a bit of a difficult matchup too. Yeah, you just, it's one of those things, MJ, isn't it? You feel like, and Sydney are really competitive. Yeah. Like, that's the beautiful thing if you're a Sydney fan, I feel, is that... You're in the game. It doesn't matter what what the uh, the ladder says. Like, they're always pushing, you know, because they know that we need to get these games in. But yeah. we also need to get games in and teach these kids how to win. Yeah. And we want to try to beat anyone. Like, he don't, horse, you know, horse doesn't care about playing attractive footy, unattractive footy. He just wants to win games. Yeah. And again, to push Brisbane, to be ahead of Brisbane going into the final change. And again, obviously Brisbane ran away the classy team sure. they are, but like, they're never going to make it easy. On the flip side, we know what Geelong's game plan is. Kick, mark, possess the ball. And yeah. I feel like from a draft point of view, this is where the Mark O'Connors start coming into Jet teams. Buse, these type of guys, Lockie Henderson, Jack Henry, like, yeah. like these type of guys that if they possess the footy, the kick mark, all these guys that are, you know, fifty point players for much of the year can get when 80. they deliver their they deliver their seventies and eighties. Yeah. And and you're and you're absolutely laughing because again, that's what they want to do. Again, the rise of Cam Guthrie this year Good call. is incredible. And he's a genuine captaincy type of option. <laughs> just for the fact that he doesn't get any attention. Yeah. And again, I know he got some attention bizarrely a few weeks ago. Like yeah. that was outrageous that he was the tag target. Uh, from a Dylan class, I believe. But if you've watched how he played, like he doesn't even play that much time on ground. But when no, he does, he's always there. pushing hard for the mark, tackles. Like he's the type of guy that just flies under the radar, yet fills every stats column. Again, you'd think a Mitch Duncan. Yep. But even he, even he, he's shown this ability to really fade away in the second half. Mm. You know, set up some 
some weeks with, you know, 50-plus first half, and then finishing in the mid to high 60s, low 70s. So, again, Guthrie seems to be that guy that really finishes it off. I think Amenagola is another one that yeah. he's got that ceiling about him, MJ. If you're in a draft and you have to make a decision on a captain and you're behind, it's a, you yeah. know that Menegola again, like we spoke about before with um, with Brisbane, like Zorko is the type of guy that will get a rest. Or if we spoke about with Port, I mean, you know, Boke's the type of guy that will get, you know, managed. Yeah. Menegola is not the type of guy in Geelong where they sit down and go, we need to we ease him manage. into finals. And also, also, they want continuity. They're going to bring back Joel Selwood. Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett. Gary Rowan. Gary Rowan. And maybe even Reese Stanley. That's a lot so, of change. That's a lot of changes. And they, they want to have a good game. And also, they didn't play their best footy against Richmond. They got exposed. That kick mark style broke down yeah. under that under that pressure. So, again, it broke down because of the pressure. But a lot of the skill execution wasn't was there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they want to you know really refine that, make sure they deliver on that. And I feel like... It brings in all those guys. It yeah. brings in the Mark O'Connors, the Hendersons. So if you're taking a flyer, that's a really strong pool of players. Yeah, I like that. And the fact too is... selected for the Cats. Yeah, and the fact too is they'll know whether West Coast beat North Melbourne or not, which they should, and they, exactly. need, to, and they need to win to stay in the top four. Um, so that, they're going to know a lot uh, at that point in time. At the final couple of r- games of the round, uh, Fremantle, Western Bulldogs, it's going to be, if any history's to tell us anything at Kazali Stadium, it's going to be a little bit greasy, a little bit slippery, and some of our favourite outside players might not have it as easy as they have the past couple of weeks. I find this is a really hard one, MJ, because Fremantle are very well coached. Yeah. They're right up there as one of the most well coached and organised groups, and they have a very clear game, game plan. Very clear. And I think we're going to be talking a lot about Fremantle players in the off-season yeah. because it's just so Fantasy juicy. Relevant. It's so well-coached. And their players have just clearly embraced it. Yeah, Again, they played Melbourne in these horrific conditions of Kazali, and they still use the ball 20% better by foot than the Demons. Yeah, And as a result, they nearly had 100 more possessions. So the wet weather, they've already had a run at this stadium. They're not afraid to try it even if it's not perfect conditions again if it's really torrential and it's a bar of soap i'm sure they'll you know play that more territory type of game but they can deprive the opposition massively of the ball yeah on the flip side we know how many big dogs the bulldogs have yeah. the whole engine room is a genuine fantasy option <laughs> like there's five guys in there off the top of my head bont mccray dunkley hunter and bailey smith alone yeah that are genuine you know elite players in their line that's that's yeah. four premium midfielders and obviously bailey smith with that forward position yep. is super relevant. Again, I said it earlier, but I just feel Caleb Daniel It's not the matchup. Isn't the type of matchup for me. And I'd be week. a little nervous with Bont this week too if Reese Conker comes back in. We've seen him play some pretty decent yeah. tag opportunities this year. And we know with the Bulldogs that they've got a win to stay in finals. They'll have a lot of visibility on what the rest of the ladder looks like at that point in time. So they're gonna know what they need to execute. To, to make finals or not. So, you know, you know the they're Fremantle don't it. care, do they, MJ? Like, no. They, they, they have a real momentum that we're a really improving side. Yeah. And again, they've got some great players. Yeah. And they've, now they've got great players in every line. Like, yeah. finally, Matt Cabin has been able to stay healthy for a season. Mm. And we've seen that, you know, he's not in the Charlie Dixon, Tom Hawkins totally. tier. But he's in that tier below. He's one of the best contested marks in the comp. He's kicked a goal in every game bar one. Yeah. Like, he's just a very reliable, you know, key forward. And they build the forward line around him. You throw in Rory Love and Jesse Hogan. And now Michael Walters has really embraced that forward role again. Yes. We're seeing how deadly he is. When you go to the midfield, you've got a young core of Brayshaw, Chera, and Sarong mixed in with Fife and Mundy, who are, you know, really embracing their roles as yeah. well, especially Fife with that split. Like, it's a type of game where. I can see it going both ways. And as a result, I don't have any real confidence. When I've got a pick of the litter this week, taking on any of these guys. Yeah, because there's so many good players. I just don't see, you know, again, obviously they're all capable of going 100 plus. Absolutely. And even some of them even bigger than that. But I don't really have the confidence to feel like I know exactly which one it's going to be. Mm. All right. Well, then let's get to the final round. And by this point in time... Collingwood, Port Adelaide. If, if you're looking at these players, it's like we said at the top. In a draft, it, it's because you're trying to get a flyer and hope that you get a 70, 80, 90 that pops. 
and wins you the premiership. In, in salary caps, you're not holding a trade up to this point, are you? Because there's outside of a unless sideways Unless you really move. like your option, MJ. Yeah. Unless, you really, unless that was a player you wanted to pick from the outset. Yeah. Um, but again, the issue you start having if you wait till this point is... You limit your what's options. The play, what, what's the player you're trading to? Yeah. So if you're trading Doherty, well, you've made He's that gone. decision days ago. Yeah. So that's the really tricky part for me. I think, again, Tom Rockliffe's going to be really hard for a lot of coaches um, to resist. And yeah. I think, honestly... There's probably a pretty good reason for that. Positive for Port as well is that, you know, Collingwood have locked away their final spot. So, yep. you know, obviously you want to win just because you want to win going into finals. But yeah. when you look at Tom Rockliffe and you've got 300s in DT in his last four, the last two being 122 each, like that's genuine ceiling. We know Collingwood's not going to put any time into opposition players, let alone a Tom Rockliffe, you know, it's going to be a Travis Boak, if anyone. Well, and, and if I, you think about it too, look at just the last night's game, 24 possessions are disposals for Ellis, 23 for Weller, 22 for mm-hmm. Miller, um, 20 for Anderson and Greenwood. That is, for me, if I was a Tom Rockliffe owner in any format, I'd be holding off on that captaincy in case I need it with him because with the, any matchup in any week, Rocky's the kind of guy that can pop a 200 in Supercoach. Genuinely. Absolutely. He, he can pop a 120-130 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team at any point. And I'd be looking at that gaff, that Gorn, those juicy matchups that you know you've got at the front end of the round. And then yep. if you're a Max Lynch owner, like maybe you brought him in to cash out a Draper, you've got that option to go, all right, well, I can take a Grundy. I can take a Rocky. Or I can take that one that's popped at the stop. So I think that's the way I'd be looking at playing that. It, right to the very death, if leagues is your focus, let alone if you're going for the cash at the end. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you need a cheap option too, I mentioned him last week and it, just because of the matchup with yeah. Darcy Byrne-Jones. I like it. Like I just thought at that price, knowing what he's capable of scoring yeah. again against an Essendon team. And then we also mentioned the really juicy matchup against Collingwood and as we've said over and over how well defenders score against them yeah um, I think that's an option that you know I'm not I'm not asking for a hundred from a guy like Burn Jones I'm asking for probably you know somewhere between a 70 and 880 yeah I think that's and that's where I said you know is that really worth it if Rivers is going to give me a 60 plus anyway and I can have a look at that but yeah Rockliffe seems like the one I'd be hesitant on any Collingwood players yep. just because Port is very restrictive and they're very combative in the way they play, and they don't allow you that slow play, hold the ball mm. possession. Like, and again, we keep saying there's nothing to play for, but it doesn't make any sense either to go, you know, half gas into a game like this. Like, it's just, yeah. it's not the way they've played. If someone's not right, they won't be in the team. You know, maybe very late, the minutes will be managed. And, and all that means is, you know, maybe a boat plays a 70% game time instead of 76. Yeah. Like, you, as I said, you still have to have 18 people on the field at all times. Like, to think that everyone's going to play 60% is just not feasible. And that's where Rocky is the perfect guy for them. Yeah. He's a workhorse. He tackles. He does all that sort of stuff. And he's not a piece that if, you know, something happened to him, you know, God forbid, it's not the end of the world like a Charlie Dixon. Exactly. So I think he's a very good option. Forms there. We know the pedigree yeah. of Tom Rockliffe. It's unrivaled, really. Um especially late in the season. And there is a reason for that. Don't think that's just, you know, something out of the blue. There's yeah. a reason guys He's like Rockliffe it. really start humming at the end of the season. Yeah. Because his game style really suits that. Again, it's not always pretty. He's not always the most precise. But he shows up and he gets to a lot of contests and he tackles. And I think, again, it's going to be really attractive for a lot of people to go Rockliffe. Yeah. Does that mean you have to go against him because sure. you're trying to catch the pack? Maybe, but I think by this point, Rocky's probably your only real guy outside of Darcy Byrne-Jones for that really cheap Doherty replacement. Yeah. But I think otherwise, you've probably made your move way earlier in the round, MJ, and you're just, you're just enjoying the last game of the season. I think that, well, I don't know about enjoying unless you're well and truly ahead and you know that you've either won your rankings battle or you're winning it in the leagues. But look, you've got nine games left to go in your fantasy footy year. Well done to you for making it this far. It has been a, a challenging year to navigate your way through. And, and so we'll learn a lot from this year. Uh, there's still going to be some articles dropping right throughout the off-season at coachespanel.tv for our Patreons. 
man, you're going to get a bunch of exclusive content, especially as we do a deep dive analysis through the trade period. We look at club by clubs. There is stuff that is still going to be happening right throughout the offseason, um, especially for our Patreons, but for everybody at coachespanel.tv. There'll be podcasts from different members of the Coaches Panel. But, you know, from us, thank you so much for sticking the course in 2020 so far. It has been a tough year, but you, my friends, have done incredibly well. We want to thank you for listening, for reading, for streaming, for downloading, whatever you've done with all the work from the Coaches Panel. We're so grateful for you and for the support you've given us and for what you've listened to so far in 2020. Kane, as always, made a pleasure and uh, some great work from you this season, mate. No worries. Thanks, MJ. Great to be part of it. And yeah, just enjoying the footy season. We didn't think we'd have at one point. So I think we've been really lucky. Uh, I know it hasn't gone everyone's way, but I hope people have enjoyed at least some of it. Enjoy the final nine games of the year. And from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, good luck in the final round. We'll definitely chat to you soon.